Welcome to Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. This morning's programme is the first of a two-part feature on the Cistercian Sisters of St. Mary's Abbey in Glencairn, County Waterford. During the programme, I will be speaking with Sister Sarah Brannigan, the Vocations Director, and Sister Michelle Slattery, the Novice Mistress. So I invite you to sit back and have a listen to this. Good morning and welcome to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Uh, This morning we're broadcasting from a very, very beautiful part of the country. I'm in St. Mary's Abbey in Glencairn in County Waterford. And with me this morning is Sister Sarah Brannigan. Good morning, Sister Sarah. Hello, Lorraine. You're very welcome to Glencairn. Thank you so much. And I brought the weather with me, or perhaps I was here beforehand. Beautiful sunny day out here. (laughs) It is absolutely glorious. Um, The monastery here is in about 200 acres of land. Is that correct? 200 acres of farmland and the river Blackwater runs through the property. Lovely. Um, We have about 50 acres under wood as well. Wow. So we're very lucky. You're dressed in a black and white habit. Yes. Because you're a member of the Cistercian Order. Can you tell me a little bit about the Cistercians? I suppose the, the story of the Cistercians begins right back in 1098. Um, when a group of Benedictine monks chose to leave their monastery um, to start again. They didn't envisage themselves as being Cistercians as such. In mm. fact, the name comes from the place that they chose to, to establish their new monastery. They just called it the New Monastery. So the group was led by uh, a Benedictine monk by the name of Robert of Malem. Um, that's the name of the monastery they came from. This is in France. Mm-hmm. Basically, the objective of the monks was that they were doing too good a job in their monastery, um, living a good monastic life, and so they became rather well-connected and successful, and Robert was a very popular man and very sought after as a spiritual leader. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to try to step back from the wealth that had accumulated Mm -hmm. for them. And I think a key theme for the Cistercians is that they were looking for a more hidden life. Okay. So the place that they chose for their site was a very, apparently very inhospitable place, a very mm-hmm. marshy land, and they had to, um, they had to uh, clear forestry, etc., to to build their monastery, their church, and their surrounding buildings, and. Um, they did this in the spirit of just wanting to kind of move deeper into the desert, if mm-hmm. you like, mm-hmm. um, and to deepen their dependence on God and to live more frugally and simply. And really, we refer to Sito as having a spirit of simplicity. Mm-hmm. That's, that was their spirit. And that's part of the call of the Catholic life anyway, the Christian life, is to continually kind of let go and go deeper. And, you know, from baptism, really, until, please God, heaven, we're continually journeying with the Lord like that. That's right. So it's a call for everybody in whatever shape or form that might take. Yeah, I think so. There's a certain radicality. In there the is life. to follow the Christian message perfectly. Well, not perfectly, but to you know to to try and do it justice, to live it authentically. You're constantly being challenged, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Mm. So Robert sets up this new little community um, in Sitio. Yeah. Where does it go from there? 
Well, um, Sito, Sito, the Latin for Sito is uh, Cistercian, so that's the name oh, of the okay. Cistercians, so mm-hmm. that's how, how they, they began. There were three main founders, as we um, understand it. it was, there was Robert and Albrecht and Stephen, and so when Robert, Robert actually had to return to his Benedictine monastery in the end, um, and uh, Albrecht took over as abbot, and after him, Stephen. And Stephen was actually an Englishman. Um, and it was Stephen who wrote our first constitutions and who um, wrote an account of the spirit of the order called the Exordium Parvum. Um, and it was Stephen who developed um, our liturgy. Um, apparently he sent out monks over the Alps and uh, across Europe to get the authentic texts to... Um, to make that effort to um, venerate God through mm. the, the liturgy as, as much as they could. Um, he learned uh, Hebrew in order to uh, translate the Bible for his monks so that they would have an authentic text. So these were men who, who went all out. Mm. They weren't setting out to do anything new. They, they were, in fact, wanting to live the rule of St. Benedict mm-hmm. as they had been as Benedictines, but I suppose more fully as they saw it, or more closely. Um, so it was a Benedictine life, but it developed its own charism, mm-hmm. if you like. So what then is the Cistercian charism? Well, the Cistercian charism was, was really based on this effort to live more simply and um, closely to the rule um, it was very much Benedict spoke about the uh, monastery as a school of the Lord's service, um, and Saint Bernard, who was one of the early Cistercians, entered just in 1113, just after Cito was founded. He spoke of the monastery as a school of love. Isn't that beautiful? So Cistercians were um, were very much bonded together by charity. The sources of our spirituality would be the rule of St. Benedict. And Benedict emphasized, you know, the the person coming to the monastery, are they truly seeking God? So that's one aspect of of the the rule of Benedict and Benedictine spirituality. Another is, do they have zeal for the work of God? And that would be the liturgy of the hours. Do they have zeal for that? That was most important to Benedict. And he spoke about the work of God as something that we should prefer nothing to. Mm-hmm. And that's why we take such care with the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very much um, part of our charism, is the, is the liturgy of the hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a second source of our spirituality would be, um, as I said, the spirit of Sito, which um, as a general reform of monastic life was emphasizing poverty and simplicity. And that, that would have come through in the liturgy and in manual work and also in um, the stress that they had on non-involvement in secular affairs, okay. a, certain, a certain distance, mm-hmm. um, which had not been the case prior to that in right. their Benedictine uh, way of life, which had become increasingly complicated with accretions and um, various ties that were, were holding them back from living the, the rule more, more simply. Mm-hmm. So, and then we have, as I've, I've said, St. Bernard and his contemporaries, um, they emphasize the experiential quality of monastic life, which is 
a theme that would speak to people today, I think, exactly. the experiential mm. spirituality, um, the interior life, fraternal communion and contemplation. Mm. And then by the 17th century, the, um, the order went through a period of decline and division, and Abbot de Rancé initiated a reform movement, and his emphasis was on, as we all know, uh, um, the austerity of the Cistercian <laughs> life and and its contemplative characters. So he was abbot of La Trappe, and so that's where the the, the name Trappist comes from. So that's um, they would be the principal influences um, on our spirituality. Fantastic. So the Cistercians then the charism of simplicity and of a community of love. Where does it go from there? Did it spread out from France? Well, the there were 21 monks in that original foundation and um, Robert went back to, to Malem mm-hmm. and basically the, the order developed very, very slowly until 1113 when St. Bernard entered Cito, um with 30 of his relatives. 30? Yes. <laughs> he managed to persuade 30 people of the um, importance of the monastic life and wow. Um, he was very, very unusual. Um, only in two years, by 1115, he was sent as the superior of a new foundation in Clairvaux, mm-hmm. also in France. And by the time of his death, uh, he was personally responsible for establishing 65 monasteries. 65? He was incredibly active <laughs> as a Cistercian. And he was very influential in the church um, Mm -hmm. of his time as well. Um, And he was a very gifted writer. He was very literary. Um, And so were others in what turned out to be really the golden age of of the Cistercian order. Um, We talk about the four evangelists in the Cistercians. There was Bernard of Clairvaux and William of St. Thierry, Aylred of Rivaux and Garrick of Igny. And basically what emerged from their writings that uh, really um, indicated the fruit of the order um, because these saints were emerging and and spiritual masters and it was an effective spirituality um, very much emphasising relationship with Christ and the sacred humanity of Christ. Um, It was an effective way of life as well in that there was a real emphasis on fraternal communion um, the, the common life together. Mm-hmm. And there was also a strong Marian orientation to their writings. And uh, we all know that St. Bernard was very, uh, had a huge devotion to, to Our Lady. Mm-hmm. And all of these aspects of their uh, spiritual writings have really marked the, the order and, and you know, you can identify them um, still today. Even in the office, you have the little anthems to Our Lady. That's right, That's yeah. Beautiful. They replace the office of Our Lady, which okay. used to be in pre-Vatican II um, office. We had an office to Our Lady, so mm-hmm. now we have the anthems to Our Lady. And we finish... Um, the whole day with the Salve Regina and um, that's that's a custom in every house in the mm-hmm. order and every monastery is um, dedicated to Our Lady and, and as is the order. Beautiful, so. absolutely beautiful. So when did the Cistercians come to Ireland? Um, the Cistercians came to Ireland as early as 1147. 
um, St. Malachy was responsible for bringing them to Ireland. He was a friend of St. Bernard. Mm-hmm. And um, they established themselves in Mellifont and from there developed a proliferation of, of Cistercian monasteries all around Ireland mm. in quite a golden age of Cistercian life in Ireland, as we can see from the ruins of Cistercian monasteries that are still gracing the countryside today. Wow. And, but the Cistercian monastery here is the only female or Cistercian sisters in Ireland at in the moment. In Ireland at the moment. Um, we believe there were monasteries of Cistercian women before the Reformation. Oh, wow. But we're the only monastery since the Reformation for women. But there are five monasteries for men in Ireland. Mm -hmm. The first piece of music this morning is a beautiful piece of music from the sister's own album, Laudamus. It's called Lord of All Greatness. So let's have a listen to this. Sacred Space 
on West Limerick 102. Welcome back to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley and you're listening to an interview with Sister Sarah Brannigan from St Mary's Abbey in Glencairn, County Waterford. Part of your role is Vocations Director. How do you find the role? I really enjoy the job. I can see that. (laughs) It comes out from you. As soon as you meet you, you can see you light up. Uh, Are there many ladies discerning at the moment? We have a few people discerning, Mm -hmm. and we've just had two people enter, actually. And um, Angela and Liz entered on January 6th this year, so they've just finished their postulancy. Liz is still here. She's going on Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a six-month postulancy program and then a month at home, or Mm -hmm. a month off, Mm -hmm. and then coming back if if all has gone well with the discernment and... um, and they have been received into the novitiate. They begin novitiate when they come back from their month off. Fantastic. And they and get clothed in the habit. Ah, yeah. Lovely. Mm. Um, during that month off, are they in contact with the monastery or is that a complete kind of break for a month where they go away and discern? Um, no, it's the discernment really is during the postulancy. Okay. Um, and they come to a decision at the end of the postulancy with the help of their novice mistress mm-hmm. um, and an evaluation process which they do for themselves, which mm-hmm. is very important to listen to where, where I'm at with mm-hmm. this and mm-hmm. whether this life is for me. Um, and meanwhile, the novice mistress will also evaluate how she senses they're getting on and, and whether this life will help them to be um, living out their vocation and, and help them to be happy. So that takes place towards the end of the postulancy and then um, the abbess formally receives them for uh, the next step. So the, the month off is really a time to be with your family before you, you take the, the really definitive step. Mm-hmm. Not, not that it's a final commitment, but sure. it's a, a very special step to begin the novitiate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's nice for people to have that month because as a postulant in Glencairn, we don't have a, a habit. Um, we wear a skirt and, mm-hmm. and no veil or anything like that. So you're still in your own clothes. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of freedom about it and a sense of space to discern. Mm-hmm. And you're getting to know the community more closely. And um, it's a time to, to, to move in and mm-hmm. become at home. And so I think the month off is that time with your family to, to fully digest it, mm-hmm. the decision that you've come to, and to have fun. Very important. Yes, I know Liz is just really excited to go home right now. I'm now going to speak with Sister Michelle Slattery, who will tell us a little bit about her role as novice mistress and what happens during the novitiate. So, Sister Michelle, what is your role as novice mistress? Yeah, well, uh, Lorraine, I um, accompany the young women when they come, when they enter, which means making them uh, at home in the life and mm-hmm. helping them understand what we're all about because it's such a different kind of life from what they were used to. And um, that, and when they are in, in tune with the liturgy and uh, all our observances, as we call it, the silence and the uh, community life and that, then is moving towards novitiate. Okay. And that's postulancy in Novitiate, then, the central purpose is the interior life. Right. And finding the treasure. That's um, 
that we're all looking for and that uh, finding it in themselves mm-hmm. and um, the inward journey which is quite a I wouldn't say struggle, but it's a lifelong task to keep in tune with that inner journey and to live out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's what's going to enrich their lives and all our activities and all our life together, that uh, the treasure within. And um, for this, we have a a little uh, formation committee to help and guidelines and with the abbess uh, there and... (coughs) But it's just that ongoing work, and uh, not only work because work as we, or effort, as we know, is only a tiny part of it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of corresponding with grace, exactly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that God moves first all the time. That everything it. we do is just in response to that. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And to learn that now isn't easy sometimes. Oh, <laughs> the theory is fine. The practice is a bit different. <laughs> So, so that's the task as an Abyssian, really, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great privilege, and it's ongoing work, and it's working on oneself all the time as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've studied a little bit of catechesis, and what they say is it's the Holy Spirit that's forming both the person that's being catechized yes. and the person doing the catechesis, oh, like right. the, the Holy Spirit is working on, on both. On both. Yeah, it, and it must be something similar in Novitiate. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I, I, I feel it's a gift. It's <laughs> 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 even costly sometimes, but not. Sure. It isn't really as good. It's very good. So um, the other thing about Novitiate then would be... Um, just the, the the person is she growing? Uh, are the is the young woman growing in love of God mm-hmm. and ability to relate well? Mm-hmm. And the whole thing of becoming more human, mm-hmm. more fully human for all of us all the time, mm-hmm. as well as so. That's all that came to mind now. That, no, life. that is perfect. And as yeah. you said, that's a lifelong journey. But it's very important to take part or take a place during the novitiate, I'm sure, Absolutely. where you're kind of discerning, is this where God wants you to be? Right, right. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the importance of the novitiate. Mm-hmm. And people say it can't be replaced if you miss out on it, mm-hmm. what you should be doing there, you know. Yeah. Uh, did I think we had a good study program as well? Oh, very yeah, good. Yeah, you have a good study program. Yes, what we did do. you base it on? Well, several sisters. Um, well, it, we'd, it, it varies. Like, uh, I would do the vows mm-hmm. and uh, having done prayer and the lexio and all that. Um, but uh, somebody would do the history of the order Lovely. Uh, very well. Mm-hmm. And not only of the order, I should say monastic history, mm-hmm. which goes back to Cashin and all those famous people back there. Mm-hmm. So they learn that little by little, they're, you know, exposed mm-hmm. to it. And then somebody else does um, Cistercian patrimony, you know, this, the holy people of our mm-hmm. writers from Bernard and all these, Abel and all that. That's very good too, you know, yes. And now she's also doing the Psalms, mm-hmm. you know, a good in-depth study of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's a full and I love the way it's holistic that you have the study time and then yeah. you're helping to form the person in their prayer life right. and in their work life and in their community right. life as well. Right. I think that's one of the gifts of our life. It's uh, it's well balanced, mm-hmm. you know, and it well it can depend somehow on how many of us are around yeah. and how much work. <laughs> but not now. We're really quite well situated now, and that's my job too to try and prioritise with the novices and not allow them to get in too much to other work yet. Fantastic. 
And I, I presume the novices do a little bit of work. Oh, um, they do a little bit. Every morning, they're either in the kitchen or the Eucharistic beds or the card department. Fantastic. Or whatever. Mm. Or cleaning the house, you know, mm. the big house. <laughs> it is a big house. <laughs> <laughs> or the kitchen, the meals and that. So then in the afternoon, we have for our uh, classes and study. And uh, mostly nothing else in mm-hmm. the afternoon. It sounds a wonderful life if you're yes, called to it. It, it really is, does. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell because your whole being kind of expresses it. Oh. You know, if you were sitting across from somebody who was just giving you kind of the rote or whatever yeah, it might yeah. be, but you can see from yourself that you live the life. Yeah, well, thank God. I suppose happiness is a big thing, isn't mm-hmm. it, Lorraine? Mm-hmm. You know, is a person happy? If she is, I believe everything else really falls into place. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and if we're not, well, then there's big questions, mm-hmm. isn't there? You Definitely. Know, not to say that we won't all go through our desert or our dark night or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, having said that, no, the general happy, even there, there should be peace deep down, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Even when there is God's sense of some bit of darkness. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. because God wants us to be happy. That's right, mm-hmm. that's right, that's right. And we would love to have more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a general invitation to anybody out there who is discerning monastic life. Do visit the Cistercian in St. Mary's Abbey in Glencairn. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sister Michelle. <laughs> The second piece of music we're going to listen to this morning is again from the Sisters album, Laudamus, and it is entitled Psalm 66. So let's have a listen.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. You're listening to an interview with Sister Sarah Brannigan from St. Mary's Abbey in Glencairn, County Waterford. Sister Sarah continues to tell us about the steps and formation in the Cistercian life. At the end of novitiate, there is uh, the taking of simple vows. Mm-hmm. So that's a very important step mm-hmm. too. And in the Cistercian context, when you make your first vows, you receive, as the monks in Rosgrave say, you get the belt. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're, you're all dressed in white as a novice, okay. white veil and white robe and white scapular. And uh, when you make your first vows, you take a, a black scapular and your leather belt, mm-hmm. and but your your white veil remains. Okay. In our in our life, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so after your first vows. You are a simply professed sister and you renew your vows on a yearly basis until solemn profession. So for the next three years, mm-hmm. you continue as a junior sister. That is beautiful. And you move from the novitiate mm-hmm. and your novice mistress to what we call the monasticate or the juniorate. And mm-hmm. you have a junior mistress there. And so there's usually a change of accompaniment at that stage. Sister Sarah tells us a little bit about the monastic vows. The vow of stability um, involves making a commitment to this place and this community. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you read Benedict's rule, he's obviously very... um, He values stability on the spiritual journey Mm -hmm. very, very much. Mm -hmm. Um, In Chapter 4, in the Tools of Good Works, he lists 72 kind of virtues, if you like, that Mm -hmm. we should aspire to. And he talks about the monastery as a workshop in which to hone the spiritual craft. Mm. And the workshop is in the enclosure enclosure and in the stability of the monastery. Mm -hmm. So it's very specific. It's like being born into a family, really. And when you become part of a family, you are part of that family. Yes. You know, there's no, even though at times you might feel like running away from the family or you know when people aren't getting on but the real Christian love is staying with it and and being there and kind of seeing Christ in other people exactly and we also take a vow of obedience and um, and the other vow is um, a vow called conversatio morum which means in English um, conversion of manners or conversion of life Mm -hmm. so we're talking about metanoia here Mm -hmm. and you know, that, that openness to change. I think, first and foremost, um, it's important to bring with you to the monastery um, an awareness of that need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something that... I don't mean that in a negative light. I think God gives us that um, awareness through through his love for us, really, um, it's through God's love, and St. Bernard was very strong on that too. It's through God's love, in fact, that we come to a spirit of compunction. The, the fathers would talk about compunction. It's through being exposed to the goodness of God and the graciousness of God and the mercy of God that we learn about ourselves and we learn about our deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in that great desire to please God that we embrace that vow, I think, and mm-hmm. embrace all the ups and downs and tensions <laughs> and joys exactly. of, of community life and the support that community life is. You know, to have mm-hmm. that, um, that group of people who you feel are 
wanting the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think when I was a postulant, that was what struck me first about community life was how great it was to be living with a group of people who had the same priorities. Mm-hmm. And it was like finding your soul friends or something, you know. What about your family and friends? Can you go to see them? Or? Well, we welcome them to visit us here, <laughs> and they're very kindly obliged. Um, yes, the, there's, the sisters are very um, are very hospitable. It's mm-hmm. part of the Cistercian charism, mm-hmm. the hospitality. Um, so we have a guest house here, and we have parlours here where we can meet our guests, and we have a, a lovely open space here mm. and expanse of the farm to, to, to go for walks and to... That is just gorgeous. Yeah, that really so, is lovely. So there's, it's nice. Mm. Um, and my parents, uh, they, you know, they would prefer to see me here than see me anywhere else because they <laughs> love coming here. <laughs> I can well believe it. I can well believe it. I had the great yeah. privilege of sitting in for morning prayer and for mass. And just as you mentioned, the silence, like it is just beautiful mm. that there are pauses in the liturgy That's and right. pauses in the Very celebration of the Mass. Mm. And it's not a kind of a fidgety, oh my gosh, something stopped. Exactly. But it's a very restful, respectful, kind of resting in the Lord, if, if that makes sense. That, yes. You know, you take those moments to, okay, I'm in the presence of God here. Mm. And it's, it's beautiful. I can see why it's very attractive to visitors <laughs> coming in. The third piece of music is again from the sisters' album, Laudamos. Again, the album is available from glencairnabbey.org or by writing to the sisters at St. Mary's Abbey, Glencairn County, Waterford. And this piece of music is entitled Benedictus and Antiphon. It is from the sisters' morning prayer. So let's have a listen. Yeah. 
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley and you're listening to an interview with Sister Sarah Brannigan from St Mary's Abbey in Glencairn, Gantu Waterford. I think that what I lo- loved about the rule of Benedict when I discovered it in Ross Cray first was his balance of work and prayer mm. and his emphasis on this workshop that is the monastery and the tools of the spiritual craft and he's very intent on getting through to um, his readers and his monks of course um, that this is something that's going to demand all of you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so getting back to the day um, it's a very balanced day between work and prayer and that's very very much valued in our life mm-hmm. and the, the restfulness that you mentioned at mass is something that we try to instill throughout the day inside and outside in the environment in the monastery. So it's not just at the office that we're listening attentively. We try to bring that um, spirit that we worship with at the work of God um, in all our activities. The three main things that that go on in a monastery, Mm -hmm. very simply, is um, our worship, the liturgy, um, our reading, we, we have a lot of um, time for Lexio Divina, uh, sacred reading, mm-hmm. meditation on the word. Um, and that would include the, the Cistercian Fathers, not just the Bible, um, and also the Fathers of the Church and the Mothers of the Church. Um, and also other spiritual reading that, we, that, that is necessary. Um, and finally, the third aspect of the life is work, which mm-hmm. has always been very esteemed in the in the monastic life in the Cistercian tradition. Why is that? Why is work esteemed? There might be some of our listeners going, oh, I have to get up out of bed and go to work again. <laughs> Why could that possibly be esteemed? <laughs> well, um, those first Benedictine monks that we talked about who left Molen for Cito, they really valued the... Um, the place of self-sufficiency and St. Benedict talked about living by the work, a, a monk is one who lives by the work of his own hand mm-hmm. um, it, it, there's an asceticism in, in work um, I have a lo- there's a lovely story that comes to mind of a monk who was giving us a conference and he said that when he was a junior he was going through a really difficult struggle and his mental state was fairly tense and he was struggling away and he was told at work one day to go and clear out a storeroom, which mm-hmm. was quite a big job, and he gave himself completely to it. And by the end of the session of work, his mind had so relaxed and he was able to look at the problem from a new perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody in the monastery can identify with that. There's something about simple manual labour that um, that does relax us. And, the the you know, in the monastic tradition right back to the Desert Fathers, mm-hmm. that that value was very much um, preserved, that notion of, you know, we hear about the early, fa- early Desert Fathers going to their basket weaving, you know, they who chanted the sounds, the whole Psalter in a day, mm-hmm. would also have time <laughs> to rest their minds and to, to em- employ their hands. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's at, at a time where our consciousness is gently disengaged like mm-hmm. that, that um, fresh meanings and insights just naturally rise to the surface. What type of work do you do in the monastery? Well, we have three main 
areas um, of income. We have mm-hmm. the farm, we have Eucharist bread making, which, which we, we bake Eucharist bread and we send it to our customers around the country mm-hmm. and outside the country too. And we also have a greeting card department and some sisters design Fantastic. cards and uh, we print them and we sell them. It's lovely. It's um, it's work that does kind of take your whole self into it. But as you said, it's not overcomplicated work. It's yes, not exactly. Like yeah, very intense work. Yeah. So and of course, there's a myriad of things that go on in the monastery mm-hmm. that need to be tended to every day. I can imagine. There's all cleaning. of the, the cleaning <laughs> and the cooking and the um, looking after the sick and the mm-hmm. elderly and looking after those in formation mm-hmm. and those sisters who are employed to teach. The young sisters, um, and the abbess is very busy. She she would be very busy in her pastoral role, meeting mm-hmm. sisters every day. And the, there's the bursar looking after the accounts, and um, and the liturgists mm-hmm. have quite a, a job to do as well to to keep our office, you know, as as good as it is. And it is very good. It's sung beautifully, I must say. It is well, we put a lot of work into it. You yeah. can tell. You really can. And of course, you have the guest house. That's right, yes, not forgetting the details, yes. <laughs> Plenty of work for all involved. Yes. So what advice would you give to somebody who's discerning a monastic vocation? I suppose there are different stages in the discernment process. And um, for somebody who, who is at the stage where they have identified a sense of call, mm-hmm. I would say at that point... Um, the first thing I want to say is stay close to God and mm. um, don't forget to nurture your life of prayer because it's it's in prayer that we hear the call and we need to stay stay near to that. Mm. I think it's important for somebody who is discerning to not isolate themselves. Um, for someone who's at the stage where they're really seriously discerning, I think it's important for them to, to be sharing that with trusted others who, mm-hmm. who they feel will understand. Um, and that might be just a friend uh, in the faith um, or a spiritual director and that could be a very good path to go down as well Mm -hmm. Um, I'd also like to say to them to not be, you know, when we certainly for me um, I was wondering for a while which path God was calling me to Um, I'd I'd like to say don't be afraid to use vocation directors. They're Mm -hmm. out there. There's a nominated person in every order and congregation. And I know I used to think when I was discerning that you had to be sure that that this was it before you knocked on the door. Mm -hmm. And I think, no, I would would suggest that they not be afraid to, to knock on the door and to just discuss it. There's no... There's no commitment at that stage, absolutely free mm-hmm. to do that and to be properly informed about the different um, ways of life that there are out there. And you're quite happy. I mean, it's not a disturbance when you get that call or that email. Not at all. Not at all. Delighted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, often I, I deal with people who, who don't end up entering the monastery and who are sincerely searching. Mm-hmm. And it's a joy to be, to be part of that search with them. How does one know, or can one ever be completely sure that this is the right path for them? Well, I don't think there's ever complete certainty. <laughs> You're not going to get an email from God going, Dear Lorraine, or <laughs> Dear Sarah, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people talk about a sense of peace, don't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quality to that peace that is a confirming sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can't know, but we can see signs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the monastic life, I would say, I notice with people that, and listening to different people's stories, that there is this sense, just like those early monks from Malem, there is this sense of um, the desert about their call, and a sense, too, of, of really totally wanting to give oneself to God. Mm-hmm. You mentioned asceticism there a few times. Yes. Can you explain for our listeners what you mean by asceticism? I mean, it's not kind of um, disciplining yourself for the sake of it. Yes, I mean, it's it, it, what we're talking about is self-renunciation, mm-hmm. self-denial. Um, Merton, Thomas Merton, who was a Cistercian monk, put it very simply um, and very effectively, as he tends to do, <laughs> um, our joy is in proportion to our self-denial. Mm. It's not that we're earning God's love or God's approval, not at all. It's the opposite way around. We're responding to God's love. Mm -hmm. And asceticism is simply about tending the soil, if you like, of our heart Mm -hmm. and um, to be ready for the seed of God's word to to spring up. And in our constitutions, it says that the organization of the monastery is directed to bringing the nuns into close union with Christ. So everything we do in the monastery has that goal of Mm -hmm. bringing us into closer union with Christ. So all of the practices, the monastic practices and observances, are that's their end. They're not ends in themselves. Mm -hmm. It's not some kind of, um, you know, (laughs) self-punishment routine or something. And I think anyone who's here realizes that the sisters live it in a gentle and reasonable way and uh, and a wise way. It's about, I think, it's a little bit like St. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Yes. It's kind of emptying oneself just so that you can be more available to Christ. Exactly. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sister Sarah. If somebody wanted to contact you, how might they do that? Well, um, our website Mm -hmm. is, I'm sure most people have access to to the internet now, Um, we're www.glencairnabbey.org. Um, we have a vocations page and we have our stories. Some sisters have written their stories for it and there's some books we recommend that they can explore the Cistercian vocation a bit mm-hmm. more. Um, <clears throat> and there's an email for me which is vocations at glencairnabbey.org and if you send an email in that direction it comes it to my to inbox. Perfect. And uh, we can take it from there. But generally the discernment process involves visits to the monastery. We have monastic experience weekends. Uh, Our next one is the 25th to the 27th of October. Okay. Uh, So people could consider that. And what happens Um, on one of those weekends? uh, Well, a monastic weekend is open to not only those who are specifically looking at a a monastic vocation, but Mm. just people who are not sure yet Mm. and who are, are just wanting to search. They're very, very welcome to come along too. Um... The weekend involves experiencing what it's like to to be in community here. So there's um, there's we involve them in choir. They come into choir with the sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a period of work of gardening outside. Um, I give a presentation on the life to put them in the picture a little bit as mm-hmm. to what we're all about and what it means and. Um, what the discernment process is all about and just some guidance for people and some practical steps they can take to to explore things further and ho- hopefully it is nourishing generally for people's faith you know just um, and they get to meet the community 
So, which is a privilege in itself and definitely something to be encouraged. So again, I suppose you would just say to people that it's not for people who have definitely decided they want to be a Cistercian sister, that it's open. Oh, of course, definitely. Open. Yeah, and yeah. there's no commitment involved at all. <laughs> and you can come and go and you're very, very welcome to do it. And it's our gift to those who come. We don't charge for that weekend. Fantastic. Um, and then if somebody is seriously interested, it would involve... Um, usually another couple of visits to the guest house mm -hmm. followed by a stage which we some monasteries call a working which mm -hmm. involves being in the community for work and being in choir for prayer but sleeping and eating in the guest house so it's sort of a halfway okay. house yeah. um, again it gives them space and time to explore things and very importantly to get to know the community and the life a little mm -hmm. bit more um, and then there is a period called observership or the live-in And that means um, spending a period, uh, quite a long period, in the monastery if work allows for mm -hmm. them. Um, and they would be living in with the community. But again, it's not a stage of commitment. It's just a, a coming and seeing mm -hmm. at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. I love the way the community is supporting the person all the way along. Exactly. It really is kind of growing together in it. Exactly. In it. Thank you so much for giving up your time this morning. Not at all. You're very, very welcome. It was lovely to meet you. Thank you. And I'm sure we'll have you on the program again sometime. <laughs> You're always welcome to come to Glencairn. Thank you. I would like to thank the Cistercian Sisters of St. Mary's Abbey in Glencairn, County Waterford, for their kindness and hospitality to me in accommodating this interview this morning. If you'd like to find out more about the Sisters and their way of life, their website is www.glencairnabbey.org. Our final piece of music this morning is entitled The Commemoration of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Again, it's from the Sisters' album Laudamus. And tune in next week where we have an interview with His Excellency Archbishop Charles Brown, the Papal Nuncio to Ireland. Until next week, God bless. Bye-bye. Our Lady, whom we invoke, always be the consoler of the afflicted and a refuge for all in need. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.